Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Today, we are rebroadcasting one of our audience's favorite episodes to date, the eight must-have conversations for your relationship. In this episode, we talk through, well, what you should be talking about with your partner. So whether you are new in your relationship or you've been married for a long time, it's never too late to start having that conversation. We hope you all enjoy. Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Podcast. Hey, welcome back. Today we're talking about eight must-have conversations in your relationship. For people who are thinking about marriage or are engaged, this is going to be a super useful podcast for you. But even if you've been married for a hundred years, we still think that there's value in this conversation for you. Yeah, so we'll lead it off and start with number one. And one of the most important questions I could think of is, why me? Why do you want to marry me? Well, depending on your partner's answer to that question, um, it could be a very short conversation. But ultimately, you'd want them to be saying something, some marital value for why they're choosing to marry you? What are things that they like about you? Are they saying, oh, you know, you're just like my mom and you're going to take care of me and that's why I want to marry you? Well, that might not be the best answer. Exactly. Run if somebody's telling you that they're like your mom (laughs) or they want you to be their mom. The second one is money. And we'll probably spend a tiny bit more time here. Money's a big one. I really feel like Money is a huge source of arguments. It's a huge source of just real tension in marriages and relationships. Too many people don't talk about it before they get married. And then it ends up being this huge thing that comes between them. So, yeah, and I think not only that, they don't talk about it before they get married, but then it also seems like the more uh, we talk to people and talk to other couples, we hear that like one person or the other is just solely responsible for the money. And I mean, that's how you hear of people, you know, years down the road, their house is getting foreclosed on or something crazy is happening and the spouse had no idea. And honestly, how are you going to know how to spend money or know how much money you have to do anything in life without knowing where you stand? Uh, I think the other thing that's important, and again, you know, the more conversations we have with people is, you know, what do you do? Like, how do you share the money? Because ultimately you're not both going to be making the same amount usually. And how are you going to share that money? Is it going to go into a shared account? Are you going to have a separate account? Uh, Ultimately, I firmly believe that it should be in a shared account and you know, you're a married couple, so it should all be 50 50. However, I know people that think about it differently and they want to have separate accounts for certain things. But I do find that it does cause more problems because then you're wondering, you know, why aren't they spending money on this and why are you paying this bill and they're not? Yep. We opened our first uh, banking account together when we were engaged. And I think we both just agreed this is how we were going to handle money. But we did talk about it before we got married and we knew that we would both be involved. We knew 
exactly how it would work. And that kind of leads me to the next thing, which is who's going to be responsible for paying the actual bills? Aside from where your money is going to live, you know, you need to figure out who who's going to pay the mortgage and who's going to pay the utilities and all these other things that happen um, so that one person, you know, in the shared bank account situation um, isn't paying for everything while the other paying, the other one's paying for nothing. And then also just the actual, even if you have it shared, making sure those payments get made. So Brandon and I, for instance, some things of ours he pays and some things I pay, but they're out of the same account. It's just who's going to actually log online and pay that bill. Yeah. The, the next thing I would say, and it's very important to discuss, is is there any debt that you're bringing in. Uh, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Like they feel uncomfortable talking about the fact that if they have debt, if it's a credit card debt, if it's a student loan debt, like I, me and Megan have had, it's something that you're going to have to plan for. And it's something that you're going to be responsible for in a lot of cases for a very long time. So how are you going to manage that? How are you going to work toward paying that down? And how are you going to work toward not accruing even more of a credit card or some other balance when you're doing that? I think it's a good time to move into our next topic, three, which is kids. Oh, kids. They change everything, don't they? But the biggest thing before you're starting out in a relationship or if you're early on in a relationship You'll find that it always seems to come up. People are like, when are you going to have kids? What are you, you know, what are you going to do? How many kids are you going to have? And that's the one thing I'd want to talk about today. It's like, kids, hey, do we, do we want them? You know, how many, how many kids do we want? If we do want them, do we see ourselves in a smaller family? Do we see ourselves in a bigger family? It's an important conversation to have. Absolutely. I mean, we were definitely on the same page. We always said, you know, two or three kids max. Um, we didn't want to have a million kids running around, um, but we definitely didn't want just an only child either. So I think we were always on the same page about that. But we knew right away how we were going to handle that. Uh, the other thing about kids is just the role of each parent. So obviously, we don't live in the old days anymore. And it's not just mom raising kids while dad runs off to work. Things have definitely changed, and I'm so glad because I could not handle my kids without Brandon. <laughs> but really, honestly, like, who's going to do baths and who's going to do bed? And how are you going to get the kids ready for school and fed? And all of these things just need to be addressed. Yeah. And those, I mean, Megan touched on some of the smaller things, but I think even the bigger things you definitely want to talk about. Like, how are we going to raise our kids? Like, what, what, how do we feel about? I don't know, spanking our kids. Do you do that? Me and Megan don't personally do that, but I know some people do. But if one partner feels one way and the other feels another way, that stuff doesn't just work itself out. Like you need to have that conversation, which, you know, if you don't have it, then it's going to become a very awkward situation in a relationship. And kids, you know, have the opportunity to cause stress because they are stressful beings. <laughs> which leads us to our next topic, number 4, which is faith. You know, basically what are your individual beliefs? What are your values in life? Do they, are they in line with your partner? Are you guys coming from the same place or are you coming from different backgrounds? I know when me and Megan started dating, she made it very clear that she wanted a Christian man. And I was never a Christian man. Me and my family went to church on one day a year on Christmas, and even that was a stretch. It just wasn't something we did, and her family always went to church. But it's something where you're going to decide what are our core values because you better believe that's going to throw a big matzo ball in it if you guys aren't on the same page. 
Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add there. So we'll move on. Number five is chores. Who is responsible for doing what? I've touched a little bit of little bit on it in the context of kids. But even even before we had kids, chores were obviously a thing. We kind of had to learn this one as we went. We did not have the chores conversation before we got married. (laughs) And I ended up marrying a man who uh, did not know how to clean a toilet, quite honestly. He just didn't have to do that growing up. And so there was for a while, um, some resentment on my end that, you know, I wasn't getting help with the chores around the house. And I was cleaning the bathroom and doing the kitchen. But we got through that, and I would say that now, I mean, if I can be really honest, I think Brandon probably does more of the housework than even I do at this point. Yeah, and it's one of those things where when you're coming into marriage, you're really just, I mean, it's really just all coming into play like it never has before. Like you've never usually lived with this person. Even if you have, maybe you'd know some of their topics or where they're coming from beforehand. But I I just never did chores. I was never responsible for doing chores. I never had to do stuff around the house. And again, you know, a lot of people we talk to and a lot of the other couples we know, I know it falls solely on the woman to clean the house or, you know, bathe the kids or or, you know, walk the dog or whatever, fill in the blank, but it all falls solely on the woman. And like Megan said earlier, we don't live in the 1950s, guys. Like if you're a man and you're doing that and you're watching your wife do all that and you're sitting on the couch playing video games, it's time to step up. Yes, for sure. I mean, even even now, though, we both work and we're both busy. And I know that that's not the case for everybody. Some people don't both do not both work. Is that, is that how you say it? Uh, you know what I mean? But in the case of like a stay at home mom, for example, a lot of times I think that people think that because the mom stays home or one parent stays home, you can be a stay-at-home dad too. That person is the person who has to do all the housework. And that's just not true. I mean, the parent that's staying home is raising the kids all day. They're trying to survive doing that part. It's not it's not gonna work. They can't do all of that with the child the child care too. Yeah, and the one of the things I'd say to that is you know, if you're a, if you're a stay at home mom, that doesn't excuse your husband from doing nothing. And I know a lot of times that'll come down to money. The husband will be the sole breadwinner, or even the wife could be the sole breadwinner. You know, I don't want to be, um, you know, putting gender roles on it. But the point is that you know the husband's like, well, I'm at work earning the money, and you're at home, and you're supposed to take care of your house. But let me give you a good example, man. You go to work, and at the end of the day, you clock out and you come home. Well, guess what? If you're a stay-at-home mom, you have the hardest job in the world, first of all. Second of all, you are clocked in all day. And if that means that at five o'clock, you don't get to clock out, you're doing baths and everything else, then you're never getting a break. So like husbands, get with it. We can't just come home and be like, well, you know, I'm done with work, so I'm going to sit on the couch and have a beer. No, that's not quite the way it works. (laughs) Yeah. And we kind of naturally fell into this um, when we had kids about especially the the child rearing aspect of, of chores. Once we kind of got into our groove with having a, having kids, we realized that Brandon was going to kind of take care of more of the morning, morning stuff while I got ready for work. Cause I just take longer to get ready for work than he does. And then at nighttime I would handle more of like the bath and bedtime routine because I got the morning off. And because, you know, it's just, it's fine for me. The kids seem to enjoy me doing the bath. Our daughter loves me to put her to bed. Our son doesn't care. And Brandon, does that because it's a three second ordeal. But you know, we've just kind of worked that out naturally to a place where it's 
it's fair and not that it should always be fair has to be fair or anything like that but i feel like we've got a good balance i guess and it really makes it easier just as a side to all the men listening out there (laughs) if you do step up for your wife and do the chores and do things then let's just say things are going to go very well for you or there's a lot better chance that things are going to go well for you. Not that that's why you're doing it. Ultimately, your motivation should not be that. However, there are certain positive things that happen if you're willing to step up. All right, let's move on to number six. Number six is the future. Yes, you're just starting out in your relationship or you're just thinking about marriage or you're married for a handful of years, but ultimately the future is always there and it's always going to be coming. So it's important to have that discussion with your partner. Like, where do you see us in five years? Where do you see us in 10 years? And really, that can start from any point. Like me and Megan have been married for 10 years now. We could still say, where do we see ourselves in five years? Where do we see ourselves in 10 years? What are our goals? What are our personal goals? What are our family goals? And do those goals mesh together? Honestly, on this one, I want to just say that we've been terrible up to this point about doing a lot of this. At the end of 2018, we kind of realized, oh my gosh, we don't do a whole lot of talking about you know where we want to be in 10 years. A lot of times we're in survival mode. We're planning ahead to the next meal for the kids and not thinking about you know what's that marriage going to look like in five years? Okay, what about 25 years? How, how are we going to keep everything going when there's no kids to take care of anymore. So we've really taken a focus on, especially recently, learning about what we want from from life and from marriage. Yeah. And honestly, this is very important because when you talk about the idea of how things like how it's going to mesh together and when you talk about your plans for the future, it's really going to lead into a lot of these other topics that we're discussing. Because for example, if I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to be a trailblazer and I want to be taking a lot of risk and Megan's not a risk taker at all. Like, how is that going to work? How is that going to work if she's never going to want me to do that? Or for example, just another quick example, if I want to travel and I want to see the world and I want to travel all the time, well, how is that really going to work out with, you know, Meg's goals and what she's doing? And how's that going to work out when we have kids? Like, how's that going to work? And how's that going to work out with money? Because you're going to have to pay for all those travels. And it just opens up the discussion into all the other topics. And it's really important to discuss. And not that it even has to be that you both are on the exact same page. I mean, I would say Brandon's probably a little bit more of a risk taker than I am. It doesn't mean we're not married. It doesn't mean that we have conflict over it. Um, It's just that we need to be aware of it so that we can figure out how to work through those things together. So number seven is handling conflict. This is so crazy that people don't think about this, but, you know, obviously every marriage and every relationship has conflict. You're going to fight, but people don't really think about how they're going to handle these fights and disagreements and what the strategies are going to be for getting through those. You've heard the thing about like, always kiss me goodnight or don't go to bed angry or any of those things. Those are really good strategies to have, but do you both agree to those? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is right now, even if you're early on in a relationship, I'm sure you've had disagreements. If you haven't, then you're both just really good liars or you're really good at biting your tongue, (laughs) which isn't as healthy either. Because let me tell you, um, just from me and Megan's perspective, I mean, fights happen and we definitely have it out. We're both people who like to say our piece. 
but then it's the fact that do you come together after that and actually have an honest discussion at what's going on? A lot of times the arguments we have and the things we're having arguments about are really small on the surface level, but usually there's there's deeper things there for where it's coming from and they're they're based in something that needs to be discussed and needs to be assessed. And you know, you're you're married or you're thinking about getting married now and you're certainly older, it's time to put on the big boy and big girl pants and have those difficult conversations. Because let me tell you from experience, they're not always easy, but if you don't have those conversations, they're literally just going to manifest into something so much bigger. They could lead to resentment. They could lead to, you know, heaven forbid, they could lead to a divorce if you're really not assessing the problems. And really, the biggest thing is you have to be open to having those discussions because when your partner comes to you with something, it may not be an easy conversation for them to come to you with. So how you react is going to be really how that conversation gets led on. If you react in a really negative way, then that could go in a really negative place. And next time, she's not going to want to talk to you about it. But if you listen and you pay attention and then you give feedback and you're talking, even if you disagree... If you're talking at a calm level and actually thinking through it and making sure that you're listening to what the other person is saying, it's going to be a lot better process. And honestly, it's going to be so valuable later. And I just wanted to say that I am probably one of the worst people at having somebody come to me and telling me something's wrong with how I'm doing things. I'm, I get defensive immediately every single time. Um, I hope that I've gotten better over the years. Brandon can let you know if that's true or not, but I really do hope that I have. But my natural reaction is really just to get defensive and get upset. And of course, once I'm defensive and upset, I'm not going to hear what he's saying, even if he's coming to me in love, even if he's coming to me for my ultimate good. I don't see it like that. So I've really had to learn to be a little bit better at handling those conflicts and understanding that when he comes to me, he's not being mean to me. He's not trying to hurt my feelings. He just really wants to have a conversation. I need to be a little bit more open about allowing that conversation to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing I would say, just to add on to that a little bit, is when when your spouse comes to you with something or you're going to them with something, it's really just all in how it's given to them. Uh, if it's coming from a negative place, if it's coming from a judgmental place, that's never going to go well. Uh, human nature alone is going to tell you that it's not just Megan, it's not just me. If someone's telling you that you're not doing something right, or you know they're putting something in a way that you know you're not doing it the way that they want you to do it, then it's just leads to deeper internal thoughts that like you're not good enough, or like it can it can do a lot, even a small comment. And I think we've all been there. Uh, someone tells you one thing and it can bring something out that you've been holding on to for a long time and maybe some insecurities that you have, but you gotta, that's the perfect time to work through it. And at the perfect person to work it through is your partner because they're the ones who are there with you through the thick and thin. And they're the ones who ultimately need to understand the place that you're coming from. And really no one else needs to do that. The one thing I would add on to this, if you'll allow me, Megan, is to, I think the discussion needs to be had as far as when you're handling conflict, who's going to be involved in this? Because I think from what I've heard in a lot of places, <laughs> you know, when when you're in a fight with your spouse, it's very easy to go to someone else, a family member, a friend and complain or, you know, 
try to get feedback from them and ignore actually talking to your spouse, but just getting feedback from them. Now, I'll preface that with saying, that's fine. It's okay to talk to a friend or have someone you can lean on or have a shoulder to cry on, for example, but you don't want to ignore the whole part about talking to your spouse at the end of the day. Definitely. That's 100% true, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. Brandon, let's pause this episode for a second and talk about the new Fools in Love merchandise. Sure. We are so excited to have our Do It Anyway hats and t-shirts available for purchase online. We've created a wearable reminder for ourselves and for you that even when things are hard or you don't feel like it or the motivation is nowhere to be found, we've got to do it anyway. That's right. Brandon actually has Do It Anyway tattooed on his arm to remind him to keep pursuing even when the going gets tough. Thankfully, the t-shirts and hats are cheaper and less permanent than getting a new tat. (laughs) That's for sure. So head on over to foolsinlovepodcast.com to grab up your hat or t-shirt today. Okay, so number eight, extended family. There's a few different points we want to make on extended family. So I think we'll just start with how are your family relationships? Yeah, the biggest thing with this and as we were thinking through it, the the biggest reason this kept coming up is because your family has a lot of influence on you. And honestly, even if you had a good relationship with your family or a bad relationship with your family, it still affected the it affected you and made you the person that you are today. So the number one example for what we're going to bring into a relationship is the things we've seen. It's the things that we've had experience with. So how was your family life and how was your relationships? Like, what are your relationships like with your parents? Are they good relationships or are they bad relationships? I mean, honestly, if if you're coming from a good place, there's going to be probably a lot of great things that came from that relationship and a lot of really great values that you're going to bring into the relationship. But if you don't talk to your mom or dad or you had a falling out or you just disagree or they add a lot of stress to your life, sometimes it can be difficult as the partner because where do you really fall in? Because you could be like, well, I, you know, your family's doing this or your family's doing that. And as the partner whose family it is, you could get defensive. And that's not really what you want to do. So it's important to understand where they're coming from, because ultimately that's going to shape where you're going to go as a couple. And thankfully, in, in our case, we came from, from a good family life. I mean, obviously, every family has their dramas and everything. But overall, I mean, I think we came from pretty decently adjusted families. But I know that a lot of people don't come from that. And if you didn't, then how are you going to deal with that? So if your family life was less than stellar growing up, then you and, you and your partner need to talk about how that's going to play into your relationship. You know, is that going to, are you going to work hard to overcome that? Is it going to be a repeat situation? The more you can talk about that and be honest about that, I think the better your relationship it will be. Yeah. And I think with families too, again, I say, I mean, a lot of us came from good families. Uh, I definitely came from a good family, but some of us didn't. They came from a negative place. And it's really just how is that going to affect how you approach the future? A lot of times I can say that from just talking to other people, they're, they were either, you either basically follow the same pattern and you become the same person that your mom or dad was, or you say, I don't want to be anything like that. And you kind of take it from there. But the biggest thing I'll say too, with this is how does your, how does your family feel about me? Like when you're in a relationship, how does your family feel about me? Like, do they like me? Do they not? 
Like, and how are we going to move forward with that no matter what the answer is? I think it's very easy if your family, for example, doesn't like you or you butt heads, uh, that it's just going to be a negative place for you. Because if every time I was going to talk to my parents about Megan, they said something bad or negative, that's going to affect how I feel about her. And ultimately, they're there to hopefully support me and support our relationship, not be something that's pulling it down into the gutter. Yeah, I mean, honestly, in our case, I think I think my parents probably like Brandon better. I can't actually speak a lot about having that experience, but um, I do think it's super important to to have that conversation to really think about how that's going to work because I don't think it's impossible to have a relationship or a marriage that um, you know plays out well when this is an issue, but I do think it's so much easier if everyone is on the same page and everyone likes each other. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's important to say that even if you come from a supportive family or if you come from a, a family that maybe wasn't as supportive of your spouse or your partner, the biggest thing I'll say is when you take the step and you decide that you're going to get married, that means that you are starting a new family with your spouse. You are stepping out and you're starting your own family. So there's going to be things that you do different and there's going to be some of the things that you do the same. But ultimately, you know, your family is going to have their opinions and their beliefs and their values. And that's great. And a lot of times that can be very helpful. But don't let it deter you from the fact that you and your spouse are together and you're in it together. Because it's very easy if you go to a friend or a family member and you're talking about something and then like all of a sudden your relationship is more with them and your your spouse is kind of left out of the mix and then nothing positive is really going to come of that. I think this is a good time, honestly, Megan, to uh, to wrap up and we'll just go through all eight of these conversations again, just to recap and then we'll, we'll close it out. But I think I think we go back to number one. Why me? Why do you want to marry me? Uh, number two, money. How do we share it? Who's going to spend it? Who's responsible for bills? Do we have any debt? Number three, kids. Do we want them? How many of them? What are the roles of each parent going to be? Number four, faith. Do we have individual values and beliefs? Do they mesh with each other? Chores. Who's going to do what? Is it going to fall solely on the wife? It really shouldn't. Um, stay-at-home moms. Don't excuse your husband from doing anything around the house. Six, the future. Oh, it's so important. What are we? Where are we going to be in five years? Where are we going to be in 10 years? What are our goals? Are you a risk taker and I'm not? Where does it all lead us? Number seven, handling conflict. How are we going to handle the inevitable fights and disagreements we're going to have? And are we able to have hard conversations? And number eight, extended family. How are my family relationships? Where did I come from? What are my values and beliefs as far as family goes and how were they instilled in me and how will that affect us as we move forward? And most importantly, how do your parents feel about me? All of these things, again, I will say that it doesn't matter if you're married, if you're early on in your relationship, or if you've been married for a very long time, these conversations are things that you need to have. The one piece of advice I'd give is it's never too late to have these conversations. I can honestly say, speaking from the heart, that all of these things, me and Megan, we're not always great at. And sometimes we still struggle. We're human beings. We're struggling. But ultimately, 
you want to go through and touch base on all of these things and, and you got to be willing to have the difficult conversations because if you're not willing to have the difficult conversations now, there's going to be a lot more difficult conversations coming later. And that's about just about all the time we have, folks. Thanks for joining us on the Fools in Love podcast. We'll see you next week. Hey, B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear. 